0: Hey, everyone, Pastor Mike here. Do you ever think about your life and wonder, what's the point? Sometimes we're sitting in a classroom or another Monday at work or another day raising kids or going through life, and we wonder, what's the point and what's the purpose? In the midst of the daily grind and the struggle, it's hard to see what God is doing, and sometimes it's hard to sense that God is even there at all. And that's why I want you to check out my latest sermon series called, What's the Point? It's a deep dive into the biblical book of Esther, a book of the Bible that, interestingly enough, never once mentions the name of God. And yet, behind the scenes, God is working powerful things, good purposes for the good of his people. You can check out this sermon series right now on Time of Grace with Pastor Mike Novotny wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And of course, you can watch it at timeofgrace.org. If you've ever been betrayed, you know how painful that can be. We sometimes refer to it as being stabbed in the back because our back is where we are most vulnerable. And that's maybe what makes it hurt so much. Because it doesn't happen, at least most painfully, from the casual acquaintance when our guard is up. It happens from those closest to us when our guard is down. It can be a wife or a husband, a father, a mother, a child, maybe even a close friend. And although all types of betrayal hurt, they're not all the same. That's what a young lady shared with me recently, a lady from my church. You would never know when you met her that she carried around these scars of betrayal from family members and friends from years and years ago. And yet, that's what made her most recent experience with betrayal so painful. You see, she had this close friend and she opened up her home and her heart to this person. They were in a similar life circumstance. They shared birthdays of their kids and holidays, their ups and downs, their joys, even their struggles. And then after an unfortunate sequence of events, this friend of hers stabbed her in the back and even used her weaknesses against her. She didn't see it coming. She said she, she had experienced this type of betrayal with family members and friends in the past, but she never saw this one coming. And what made this unique is you don't choose your family but she had been selective with her friends and she thought it was safe. So she asks a question I think we've all wrestled with. How do I I deal with and heal from this betrayal from a close friend? Where do I even begin? That's what I'd like to talk to you about over the next few videos. How do you overcome and even recover from the betrayal of a close friend? Where do you start? The, The first thing you need to know is that whatever happened to you, whatever they did to you, it's not okay. Whether it was last year or last week or even last night, it's not okay, the pain that they've caused. You might hear others suggest, or you might even suggest to yourself that you just need to get over it, but there's no quick fix. You don't just pop a pill for this and then it's all gone. What they did, it caused real pain. And and I'm so sorry that they did that to you. I unfortunately joined countless others who have experienced uh, something similar and it's not okay but what you also have to know is that along with this pain is the temptation and maybe even the tendency to just shut down to throw the guard up like fort knox and to push everyone away to become secluded maybe even reclusive but what you have to know is that although that temptation might be there that's never going to give you what you need and help you heal And so what you have to know even more so is that you're not alone. There's one person who understands betrayal even better than all of us. He had this close circle of friends, people that he shared his ups and downs with, joys and even struggles with. He had done everything with them. The countless breakfasts and dinners, time around the fire. And then the night before Jesus died, one member of this close circle of friends and followers by the name of Judas betrayed him. It's even more commonly known as the night on which Jesus was betrayed. In Mark chapter 14, it doesn't even refer to Judas by name in this verse. It just says in verse 44, Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. A sign to identify Jesus in comparison to the others. And imagine what is going through Jesus' mind as he sees this close friend of his who's now turning on him. The frustration, the the thoughts of how much Jesus had invested in that friendship with him and all to lead to this, to hand him over to these ruthless captors? Jesus, pay closely to what he says. Am I leading a rebellion that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you teaching in the temple courts and you did not arrest me, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. In other words, this is all part of God's plan. First, this is part of God's plan so that you would never be able to live a day feeling alone in this pain. God never designed that you would feel this way. He also doesn't want you to be alone in this way. You have a Savior who, although he had such close friends over the span of years, yes, he was stabbed in the back. And he understands what you're going through. And he loves you. But another reason why you need to know that you're not alone and that Jesus knows what you're going through, is that God used this as just one of the many stepping stones so that Jesus would go to the cross to take this pain away. God does not desire that you would live in this forever, so his Son paid for it all. Not only the pain that we've caused, but the pain that others have caused to us as well. And in this way, you would know that you were not alone, for your God and your Savior, Jesus, is with you. He even makes this promise to you. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Yes, Jesus has been there. And he is also with you right here and now. So what do you do with that person who betrayed you? Especially if it's a close friend. We know that God wants us to be kind to others and even friendly, but how do you forgive a close friend who stabbed you in the back? After you spend so much time opening up your heart and you even share things that are quite confidential, you invest so much, you give so much, you share so much. When you give so much, it can seem kind of counterintuitive that yet you would give another thing to the person who stabbed you in the back in the form of forgiveness. It seems like you would be giving them more real estate in the area code of your heart. Or more opportunity to, to damage you on the spectrum of time. Both of those seem like a bad idea. Maybe it's important to understand what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is not. Especially when you consider a close friend who's betrayed you. Forgiveness is not opening yourself up more and more, becoming vulnerable with people so that they can hurt you more and more. Forgiveness does not mean that now all of a sudden you become a beating cushion for that person so they can hurt you more. Forgiveness does not mean that you become socially unaware and just allow someone to hurt you all the more. There's not a single passage in God's Word which tells us that the next time we have a Sunday barbecue, we need to invite all of the people who have hurt us the most and maybe also save a place for them at Thanksgiving dinner. No. In fact, forgiveness is not about that at all. Forgiveness has absolutely nothing to do with keeping the responsibility of making things right or enabling the other person to have that responsibility either. It's actually something completely different. Forgiveness means letting go. Taking that sense of responsibility that we have or the sense of responsibility that we might expect that other person to have, to make things right, and recognizing that it's not in our hands at all. Rather, it rests in the hands of the God who's going to take care of it. Consider Jesus for a second. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, the betrayer, Judas, one of his closest friends, helped hand Jesus over to a band of wicked men who would unjustly beat and condemn and eventually crucify Jesus. And yet, what happened to the rest of Jesus' friends? Those people that were surrounded by him? Well, in Mark chapter 14, right after Jesus is betrayed and identified, we learn that the rest of them deserted him. A little while later, Peter followed at a close distance and he's sitting around a campfire And there are these people who identify him as one of Jesus' friends. And so they ask him, and what does Peter do except deny Jesus? Betray him, pretend like he had never heard of him, even calling down curses from heaven, saying he doesn't know the man. And right towards the end, Jesus sees him. And they lock eyes. Once again, as if Judas' betrayal wasn't bad enough. Now not only one from the inner circle, but the inner circle of the inner circle. Peter, one of his closest friends, Stabs Jesus in the back. Again, you can imagine what Jesus would be feeling and thinking as he's already experienced so much pain and betrayal already. But do you know what happened? Jesus would go to the cross to pay for the sins of the whole world. Yours, mine, Peter's. And then he would rise from the dead on the third day. And one of God's messengers would appear to these women Unexpecting of Jesus rising from the dead, this messenger would appear to these women and inform them that Jesus is not there. And then this messenger would tell the women this Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go tell his disciples and Peter. Now, I can't help but think a lot of things when I read those words. The messenger didn't say, go tell the guys, go tell the group, go tell the disciples, go tell whoever's left, go tell the disciples and Peter. And I can't help but wonder if Peter got the gist of that. See, that's what God does with those who have betrayed us. God sent his son to take that responsibility of making it right away from us and to put it on his son, to pay for it so we would never feel the weight of that burden. So I know it's really hard to even imagine getting close to that person. God never says that you have to get close. But what you can do, what God calls you to do and even what is helpful for you is, is to forgive. To consider what it is that Jesus did with those that were closest to them. He went to the cross and died and rose for them to, to forgive. To take that responsibility and that burden away. It can be hard when you think of all of the pain that this friend has caused you. It could be challenging if you think of even bumping into them or seeing their face. One of my favorite passages goes like this, from Ephesians 4. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. God's message for you is that he's already taken away whatever pain you have caused. And so when it comes to the betrayal of this friend, he aims to take that away too. He's paid for it in the blood of his son. And through this, he aims to also help you and heal you, removing that responsibility from your shoulders. And in this way, he draws closer to you and you to him. In the first video, we talked about why we say that betrayal feels like being stabbed in the back. But if you think about it, it kind of feels more like being stabbed in the heart. And so how do you, yourself, heal internally if you've been betrayed by a friend? That's kind of a challenging question. Because when you think of healing from all of the pain and it feels like you've been stabbed in the heart, all you can really think of is maybe think of the things that this lady in my church thought of. She had a long laundry list of all of the events that led up to this betrayal. Everything that had happened that had brought her and her friend closer and closer and closer and then this crazy twist of events through which her friend stabbed her in the back. And she even had a lot to share about everything that has followed. And, and maybe you can relate. When you think about healing internally, it's really easy to come up with a list and the list starts with sentences like, they did this and, and they did that. And again, as we said, that's, that's not okay. The pain that they've caused. But what if I told you that making a list of all of the things that they've done, keeping track of every way that you can point at them for fault, what if I said that that's not the most helpful thing at all, especially in comparison to identifying specifically what is causing you so much pain inside? Think of it this way. Each of us have probably had a cut on our hand before. When that happens to me or any of my family members, I tell my kids to go and get what we call the magic potion, that ointment that you get. And when we get that, we don't pour all of that or squeeze it out of the tube into a bucket and then dunk the whole hand into the bucket so that it's sopping wet with this ointment dripping down to our elbow. Besides that being a really weird thought, that's not really helpful. No, you apply it specifically to the place where the cut is, the place that is causing pain. And if we do that when it comes to a cut on our hand, why would it be any different for the proverbial knife in our back? So what is it specifically? Trying as hard as you can. Can you do something for me by making a list? A list that doesn't start with sentences like, they did this and they did that, but it hurts me here. And it hurts because of this. For the lady in my church, it hurt because She thought she had been so careful. So she feels a sense of guilt. Why would she open herself up when she knew better? Maybe you can relate. You doubt yourself and wonder if you can be safe again. And that sense of insecurity is painful. Maybe write that down. Maybe you can add to the list the feeling of regret. That you can no longer go and talk to the person that you would normally talk to when you feel this pain. Maybe precisely because person you would normally go to is the friend who caused this pain to begin with. Regret. That, that's painful. It sometimes even can be described as grief. It's like a, a source of joy and life and love and happiness and confidence and trust has been killed and buried. And it feels like there's this pain even in your gut. That, that's grief. Can you write that down? And then in addition to writing that list down of what exactly hurts, how it might bring up pain from the past, why it exactly feels like grief, writing all of those things down, can you do me a second favor? Actually, it's for yourself. Commit it to God. You see, there's somebody who knows all too well what this type of betrayal is, that is, from a friend. A long time ago, there was a man by the name of David and David had this close friend by the name of Saul. Saul was king and David was going to be the next king, but there was never this rivalry that existed inside of David's head, but it crept in inside of Saul's head. Saul had promised he would never turn on David until, until he did. He even tried to kill David and David went running. Saul hunted him. David even had opportunities to try and point to all of the things that Saul did and he could have taken Saul out. From a worldly perspective, he probably could have defended those decisions if he would have just taken Saul out. Saul, you did this and you did this and you did this. But for somebody who understood very well what betrayal was, consider the things that David did in those Scenarios. Two scenarios where he could have taken Saul out. He committed it to the Lord. The Lord and his timing is going to take care of it. Consider what else David did. I encourage you to read through the Psalms. Many of them, especially in the first half, are written by King David. He doesn't say things in always a pretty way. And sometimes he says things that might shock you. But these songs, these prayers are not meant to be pretty. They're meant to be real. And yes, they are even raw. But consider these words from somebody who understands betrayal all too well from Psalm 37. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when others succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For those evil who are evil will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will prosper. You hear that? Commit your way to the Lord. God's promise to you is not to predominantly work to create a visible evidence of him carrying out justice on that other person so long as we point at them. No. Identifying the pain inside enables you to commit all of that to the Lord who promises to help you and yes, even, to heal you. He will do this. So of all the things that we can think of that they've done, and as real and as raw as that pain is, bring those specific prayers, those specific and individual pains, the source of struggle from the betrayal of that friend, bring all of those to the Lord. It not only enables you to refrain from anger just against them, it enables you to open up your heart to God who promises you, and he always follows through, who promises you to help you, to bring you peace, to take care of the pain that they have caused in his own way and in his own timing. He will most certainly do this. So can you ever have another close friend if you've already been betrayed by one to begin with? A variation of this legend or fable goes this way. A boy is walking down a cold mountain and he comes across this snake and the snake makes this request. Pick me up and carry me to warmer ground. I'll leave you alone. And the boy says, no, you're a snake. If I pick you up, you're going to bite me. The snake says, no, I won't. I'll, I'll leave you be. I just need warmer ground and I'll go live out my days. The boy thinks about it and then picks up the snake and brings the snake close, wraps the snake in his shirt, keeps him close to his chest and walks down the cold mountain to warmer ground. The boy takes the snake out from his shirt and from close to his chest and right when the boy is about to lay the snake down on the ground, the snake bites him. And the boy says, You promised you weren't going to do that. Why did you bite me? And the snake says, Because I'm a snake. And you knew that when you picked me up. It can be really hard to differentiate between those that are going to have our back and those that are going to stab us in our back when we select friends. Which ones are going to be helpful and which ones are going to be hurtful? That's what this young lady of my church shared with me. She literally said, I don't know how I can ever be generous with myself again when it seems like, in the end, I just got bit. And maybe you know what it's like. You know what it's like to walk through the laundry list of everything that they've done and all the pain that you feel, even specifically inside, as we've referenced in previous videos. But how do you begin to even look at other people and open yourself up to having a close friend again? How do you begin to invest again and open up your heart so that other people could get close when you know very well that if you do that, you run the risk of them betraying you just as this other friend did? Well, recognize that if you close yourself off, if you kind of play the Heisman, that is keep your friendship close and keep everyone else at arm's distance, then recognize that you're going to lead yourself into a challenging place. You're never going to be able to receive from others what God has designed for them to give to you. No, he doesn't want them to give you more pain and betrayal. But you're never going to benefit from the wisdom, the love, the kindness, and the friendship that others have for you too. Recognize also we're not designed to live this way. To have no friends and to close ourselves off. Look no farther than Jesus. Jesus, who experienced betrayal not only from his close friends like Judas and Peter, whom we've talked about previously, but consider the ultimate betrayal that Jesus experienced. When Jesus was on the cross carrying the weight of all of our guilt, yes, the pain that we ourselves have caused, if we're honest, and the pain that others have caused us and so many others as well, carrying that burden, he said these words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God the Father covered over his face from ever looking affectionately at his son and punished him in that moment. And you have to know why. So that you would know that God would never forsake you. That he will always look at you and love you. And that he will never leave you. For as God views you through the lens of his son, he can only see that your debt has been paid and he wants to help you heal from all of the pain, including the pain from the betrayal of a friend. And he also wants you to be a resource to many others. Can I tell you of how that affected that lady in my church? When she said, I don't know how I can give of my heart again, that's quite an eloquent way of putting it. Because to have a close friend, you're investing, you're giving, you're sharing, you're pouring out. And then it seems like all of that is gone when you've been betrayed. So how can you do that to somebody else without running the risk? Do you know what God provided for her? Through people she never anticipated and in greater ways than she imagined, God put people in her life. Not just family and other close friends. But even a Christian family. People whom she'd never met before who were there to listen to her and to help her to share wisdom and to share their stories, too. And I get to tell you that that's exactly what God wants for her. And that's exactly what he wants for you. God has not designed us to live alone. In fact, he has not only presented people to be a benefit and resource to us as friends, but for us to be a benefit to others. So if you've been betrayed by a friend and you're wondering, how can I ever be a friend to others? Maybe consider this that maybe that person is not a snake. Maybe they're actually an opportunity. They don't have the wisdom that you've gleaned through this painful experience. They don't exactly know what it's like to walk through the path of forgiving and forgiving over and over again. They don't understand what it's like to identify that pain and to commit it. That is, give it over to God to take care of it. But you're there. And you can be their friend. And you can share with them the love and forgiveness that God has given to you through his son, Jesus Christ. And that will not only be of great benefit to you, it'd be a great benefit to many others.